All right, Deckheads, welcome back to another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. We've got an absolute banger of an episode for you tonight. We've got the triumphant return of Michael Holst, as well as the season is now underway. So we've got nothing but good things to talk about. Stick around. Everybody ready to go? I think so. So we're about a week into the season, and there's already been some really close games. There's always been some teams moving around, players jumping ships. So should we start at the top? Yeah, let's uh, let's start with talking about D1. And honestly, there's not a lot to talk about in D1. We had the same four teams as uh, last year and the year before. So the defending champions, QC Crew, Dominoes. Mock, I know your team name changed, but it's essentially the same team. Yeah, we're Atomic team. Coffee now, but it's roughly the same. Brought in a couple of guys that we're trying to bring up from the lower level. So we'll see how it plays, but really it's it's not a lot of motion in the ocean. But D2 Plus, I think, is going to be the best league yeah, by a long shot. Yeah, and some movement here. Two adds and a subtraction for teams. So Edward Jones, Chris Casper, has decided to branch off from Coffee Hound and create his own. Which is a spinoff of their summer tournament team, yep. which was, I would say, mildly successful. But I think they're going to have a really good run. They're definitely somebody to worry about. Pulling up Big D early. Got Big him in D- net. I've he's seen ready. Big, I've seen Big D in 2-plus, man. He's absolutely killed he's it. He's a good player. He's yeah. ready to go. Bless he's Casper's in net. heart. In net. Bless Casper's heart adding me onto the team. Thanks, bud. I, I won't I try won't let you down. I'm gonna try. Yeah, the uh the other big ad here is the Dailies, one of our favorite teams from D two, back to back champions there. After going eleven and one last season, they're like, let's give it a whirl. And so they decided to go up to two plus. They did add was it Cole Griffin and Charlie Gerace yes. to help support that roster. Uh Mafia, we played them the other day and honestly I think they played well. They they have some things they're gonna have to figure out at at two plus they're quick learners and they're super athletic yeah and the good thing about them is it's exactly what they need to do to progress is they've got the wheels all day long but they lack that the talent or like the fine motor skills that come with a background of hockey like guys that yeah. have been playing like charlie Durace, that's why he's a good addict cole griffin yeah. two guys that have they've been playing done ice their entire life so They've got that sort of veteran experience along with the the stallions that Dailies is famous for. So, I mean, I think they're going to have a rough couple of first games, but they are going to. I think they're they going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think coming into two plus, I think they played really well for the first game at that level. Um, yeah, and honestly, though, like with with most of their roster also playing on their D two team, come playoff time, they're going to be primed and ready, just like they have always been, and they are going to figure it out, and they could. They could steal the championship. They're going to shred D2. Their chemistry is going to be miles above everybody. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they've been friends since they're six years old. So there's that. Um, what are the big changes? The other Coffee one. Hound. Coffee Hound doesn't have a lot of changes. So no. we got since, since they haven't played a game, their roster's not online. We just got their roster. It looks very similar, and but it's always been good. And they, they've had a lot of turnover, though. I mean, with Jerez going to the dailies, uh, Mafia, three guys from their team in the past year are on that. So it's, it's going to be, like we uh, whole said, we don't know what the roster actually looks split, like yet. But then split time in net with McWilliams and Nick, because Nick is going to be taking a lot of time with, with Ice and the Storm in that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a lot of Andrew McWilliams. So we'll see what he's got to bring to the 2+. plus. Which... And he, he was off last season. Yeah, having taken a season off, too. Right, putting in a cold goalie. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. The other big change here in 2+, plus is BD Bandits are no longer in the league. Wow. So I don't know if they're dropping down and adding a lower league team or with just some turnover and schedules. I know Freiburgers heading out in a few weeks, so maybe Barry. that was a... Barry yeah, Barry's, Barry's leaving too. You know, with college and ice juniors, what have you, they decided to uh, 
let that team go. So two plus is going to be the new D one as we've been calling it, but I think it's going to be a very interesting. It's definitely the most action packed league. Yeah, um, but my favorite let, league. Let's personally. move. Let's move on to two, which we already mentioned that the dailies have basically had a lock on that league, and we'll see what their two plus skills that they're trying to develop bring down to their two team where they've already been super competitive. So I think they're maybe the early favorite there, but there's also been a lot of other shifts, five teams total in the league, but which is a downsizing from last year. And I know Holst, you kind of took over mutiny there, kept the, kept the brand, kept the franchise, but brand new squad almost. Well, they're off to a hot start. So, so yeah, last night's game, it was only a seven to six win, but the, it was, we played very well. And the team we played against Quinn in net for Mackenzie Quinn. Uh, yes. Yep. For deckheads is, Huge. That kid is good. The uh, he's the Blues goalie. Pretty sure. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's new to the area. His parents just moved here, but yeah, he's playing with the Blues and I think JV right now. But yeah, that's a good team we played against last night. And so, like like Mark said, it's a it's a new look mutiny. Uh, there was like Hansky. There was talks of him leaving, and now Dylan Ruiz has actually gone to the Eagles. So I mean, we just picked up a few guys, uh, very known names around. Derek Rotz and Matt Fisher, who last Fisher's night... Fisher's a huge ad. Fisher he, had five points. He's a, Fisher's such a high-end D2 talent. Like, I mean, yeah. he's two-plus raked, but as Bang far as... Bang for your buck-wise. Yeah, he, he's a good investment in that way. Not only does he have the stamina, but also his hockey skills are phenomenal. He's head up all the way, and I think that's the number one thing you want to see in two-plus is the difference between guys who are pretty good with their head down. Like I think a lot of daily guys are maybe like that. Yeah, Fisher is a guy that actually... He's got his eyes on the prize a lot of the time, so that's that's a big yeah. thing there. Well, I think the one other thing to note here with the Eagles is they had a very rough season. Casper's, I mean, we called them the Cleveland Browns of deck hockey because they're going over. But come playoffs, they got their roster back. With Sergey coming in on that team, Jordan joining, they actually had their final full roster at the end of the season, and they went deep into the playoffs. They had a sure. they had a rough few losses, but the Eagles came back after a horrific start. Let's just be honest. Like, <laughs> we called it Cleveland Browns. You're out for um, one, their only season game against the Dailies. That gave them their only, the Dailies' only loss of the year. And with the run they had in the playoffs to the team and adding Dylan Ruiz into that, they're going to be a good team in D2. So I think with Holsey, with what he's doing with Mutiny, the Dailies have everybody back with a few ads, and then the Eagles, I think it's going to be a highly contested league. I think D2 is going to be a lot more competitive now and moving forward than we've seen in the past. Well, and they got Shane Nickel in net. And, I mean, he's been playing all over the map. All that guy tries to do is get better, get better, get better. He's been putting in reps, putting in reps, for better or for worse. Yeah. I've seen him stand on his head, and I've also seen him get lit up. But all he's doing is growing and growing and growing. And if you're a team that's trying to grow and trying to take over a league, I'd say that's a good guy to have in the, in the back. So Yeah, and, with, uh, and I think what Eagles has is a lot of defense. They do have a lot of athletes, but they are, so, are also a very sound defensive team. And that's going to help Shane too. Like, it's going to make him better. Well, that's been a big thing for Mutiny in the past is they're like the block shot kings. <laughs> you know? Hey, last night, between so I was Chris actually Thomas. very surprised. We blocked a ton of shots last night, even losing Hansky. We blocked a he's, lot he's of shots. A, he's just a bulletproof <laughs> second goalie. Yeah. <laughs> and just another little fun fun fact, fun thing to add in with the uh, mutiny. Everyone come check out, hopefully Wednesday, the Quad City introduction to Joe Giacchino making his Quad City oh, debut on Waterloo. Wednesday. Bringing in some import talent. I was actually there in the summer tournament when he was lobbying for his ranking to go down, <laughs> which was fair. Very fair play. 
But I've not seen him play ever, so I'm excited for that. Maybe we got a game of the week coming. We we played against him last year for Waterloo. He was on the oh, Waterloo. He's not very good. <laughs> Rocket shot though. No, but I'm thinking maybe game of the week, which was something we need to figure out. So yeah. Anybody that wants to give us any input, we're trying to do some games of the week and and you know highlight some of these other leagues. If there's a nice matchup that you guys like, let us know for sure. Yeah. Uh, so last Friday, you saw on our Facebook page, we celebrated ourselves DHF versus DHF. But if you want to be that game of the week, let us know. We'll definitely make arrangements come out and let everybody know what's going on. Yeah, exciting stuff. Let's move to 3 Plus where there's actually eight teams. Uh, I don't know an absolute ton about 3 Plus, but we've seen the talent level there skyrocket in recent years Absolutely. as more three and plus more players. Is very competitive. It's very competitive, which is not something that I think is expected. No. But I think it speaks to what we're talking about D2 Plus and D2 being, you know, D2 Plus really being like the new D1. D1's its own little thing. And then three plus right now is really that sweet spot of people that have figured out deck hockey or adjusted to it and have learned the game and have really excelled. And then some of those players from D2 and D2 plus that grew up playing hockey, they're now finding themselves in three plus. And it's the best scouting league for people coming from the low levels coming up. And then they get a chance to play with some guys who also play at a higher level, but are based on points legal to play on these certain teams and they mm-hmm. develop a little chemistry. And that's, I think that's, again, I know that we touch on the, the franchises a lot, but that's where the franchises make their bed. That's how they become 100%. successful is that, that process. And I think that having good three plus representation really feeds well into the top level team. So it's something to take into consideration, but notable games. Have there been games yet? In, uh, in three we're plus? only two into it. Only, only two games. So it's going to say too early to call. Um, just because not a lot's happened there and we're only a week into the season. But I think one thing we do need to talk about, and again, this is with Irish Mafia, is adding Shane Mannion to that team. Last year with BD Bandits, he played with him in 2+. plus. He's playing with him in D2. And he's a younger kid, still in high school, joining up with uh, Jake Culver, who Jake is, I'm going to call him an up-and-comer. It's Perry Jacobs' nephew. Oh, we watched him play in the summer tournament. Yeah. He's no joke. Yeah, he... he He's definitely figuring the game out, but once... Well, he's real young. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, they these two uh, grew up together. They've been... I think they go to high school together. They're still kids. And they played juniors and then coming up into the adult leagues now together. Shane Shane has made his name in 2+. He's a great player, great hands. Getting that chemistry back together is only going to help that team. And it shows their first game, one of the only one of two of the year... Jake comes out the hat trick. Yeah. So big things happening there. So moving to D3, eight teams there. And again, a very, very competitive league. A lot of guys that play up and play down. But some notable things to mention, Shackleford. You were talking about Tony Jacklin a little bit. I actually, I think that I was Holsey. So, I, 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 yeah. I ref this game and I talked to Tony after the game was over. And this was, he said this was his first game in net in 15 months. Which is wild considering how the game went. He faced 61 shots and made 56 saves. And three of those goals that he gave up were on a four on three pulled goalie situation. So it was, and it was with four and a half minutes left. So for four and a half minutes, they were on the penalty kill. Oh, so he got shelled towards the end of the yeah, game and just it ruined and, his save percentage. And, he so. ma- and, and you say ruined, and he still put up. He's still, well, he still well, put but up. But I mean, it yeah. ruined like a right. career game for you. Right. Yeah, still with a 918. But I mean, 
That's like sixty-one a nine... shots faced is incredible. I mean, it was it was peppers just all day. Well, he was good for you guys way back in the day when Caddies had a D one team. He, he was there. He won a he won a championship with crew. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he's he's maybe been out of the game for a little bit, but he's definitely someone that's got that muscle memory and, and decent experience. It looked and like he never lost a step in this game. It really did. Very it, impressive there. It's going to be exciting to see what happens there because uh, if Tony plays like that. And he continues. Uh, doubles are going to make a run there. He says this is his swan, like this is his swan song. He's coming back for one season, and that's it. We'll see if he continues playing like this. If he actually stays true to his word, <laughs> I think I've said that four or five times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so then, Tri City dropping out. A couple of their players being soaked up. I, I want to call it a merger almost with BD. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, they've become really good friends. Palmer's like Palmer started Tri City, mm-hmm. and they've done a lot of things with. BD players in tournaments, just playing on lower teams where they weren't named Tri-City or Bandits. And yeah, it just looks like they finally got it all together as one team. And it, we talked about it with 2 plus 2. I think that, you know, the ad drop in the league, uh, D3 has actually saw a reduction in teams. And I think it's more of a level setting of like where teams actually are. And with 10 leagues now at Daikaki, we're going to see a little bit more movement in the upcoming years as everything figures itself out. But a new team this year is Five City Brewery. And Kyle Yeager making his triumphant return back to Dak. I haven't seen him in quite a while. Which I know. Which begs the question is how long before Tyler Holly is subbing all the time on their team. I'm going to say next so. week. Yeah, right <laughs> away. We need Holly back if you're listening. I hope you are. Yeah, and then uh, actually uh, Corbin Keeger, I don't think we talked about him on the show. He actually is new relo- relocate from the Quad Cities. Uh, just moved here from Minnesota. He plays with us at Domino's in D1, but he's giving goalie a whirl. And playing goalie, uh, playing a net for so good Park hockey City. knowledge, and he's strapping on the pads. We'll see how it goes. And Everybody, he played pretty well. He did. He's a big boy. He can take up a lot of space. Well. No kidding. Athletic. But I, but I think with the reduction in teams, that aids to the rivalries. Oh yeah. And I think that makes every league more competitive, more aggressive. Everybody's chomping at the bit to beat their rivals. And when you can hone in a league with only eight teams versus some of these have like 15, 16 teams. You see the same people multiple times. You're going to play them two or three times right. a year or rather than just once or not even play them at all. Right. So, I mean, that's going to be a fun league to watch. And and I think for the future, what it's going to do is it's going to breed more talent because people are going to do more recruiting. If you only have six, seven, eight teams in a league, you're going to keep that team there, but you're going to want to win every year. So the recruiting, the player development, everything is now going to be amplified mm-hmm. from three up to Absolutely. get to that elite level. But speaking of movement again, four plus, uh, 13 teams. One of the big ones, let's call out Greg Dwyer. The most notable, Greg, for sure. Greg Dwyer coming back to deck. I think last time he played was a year ago with Joey. Um, and they call it, what do they call him, old lady, something like <laughs> yeah. that? I heard him talking about that on the radio one time. Yeah. They call him little old lady or something like that. Because <laughs> he's got he's got the long hair, it comes out of the bucket, but that's going to be interesting. He's a fun guy around and he, you know, it's going to be good. But that's the Kill Squatch? Yeah, uh, Pure Savage, Kill Squatch, Engage. I wonder where the Pure Savage comes from. We'll have to phone in on that. I'm not sure. But we've got a familiar face there in net. Uh, and Zach Hurd, our boy there, we know they went really far last season. They had a good season. So uh, we know he's dropped a bunch of weight. So he's really trying to dial his game in. And we expect big things from them this season. So it'll probably be all eyes on Kill Squatch moving forward. But we did skip over D3 Open. And let's kick off that with Mafia, which is a recent ad. 
to D3 Open? Yeah, I think uh, they shifted one of their uh, D4, D4 Plus teams up to uh, Open. Sean Clark uh, is playing on that team. And with that, one of the big subtractions there is the She-Devils. Best jerseys by a long shot. Oh, absolutely. The pink with the tail on the back. It was awesome. Yeah, but we don't have the, the full details on where they're going or what their future franchise has to do. So not 100% sure what to expect in D3 Open. And then with D4, D5, and women's, there really haven't been enough games played. So a ton of the rosters aren't in yet. So without us just going back and telling you who won last year, which... I'm sure everybody already knows how that all plays out. But there are 15 teams in D4, 10 in D5, 13 teams in the Women's League. So hoping for some good competition down there, but too early to make a decision on our part anyway. But we will dial you guys in based on things as they progress. But I think overall, it looks like it's going to be a really, really competitive, competitive fall season. And overall, I think all cups are up for contention, regardless of what people think. Don't sleep on some of these teams. No. And, you know, we've had the tradition D1 QC crew, even down to Dailies and D2, and not to just hit every league, but there's been a lot of repeat winners. I think every division is now going to be a new dogfight. Absolutely. It gets harder and harder every year to win a, a cup. So I think it's fantastic for deck hockey in general, and we really look forward to what's to come. All right, up next, we've got a pretty solid tip of the week for you guys, spurred from a game that I was refing the other night. Devil's Red played BD Bandits 4+. And first thing to notice, the talent level at 4+, is a lot better. What I've seen at the lower levels recently is guys are starting to understand the game more and they maybe lack the skill set, but they're doing the right things. And they're they're forcing themselves to play the game the way that it's meant to be played so i think the most important thing to touch on the score in that game was somewhat lopsided but i thought going in seven to one Mm -hmm. seven to one yeah and so both teams i thought skill wise if you were to stack them up on paper were pretty darn even i thought it was an even game and the thing that happened was devil's red played a cohesive game as a team and the one thing that i noticed the difference was they were being very proactive versus reactive to what was happening on the deck. So they're anticipating the play and they're anticipating the switch, whether it be from offense to defense or getting getting open to the spot before they need to be there. And they dictated the play and it resulted in a pretty handy victory in a game that I thought it was a coin flip going in. So they were playing more to what was going to happen rather than seeing what was happening and then adjusting to it? Exactly. So BD Bandits was kind of on their heels. So what I was seeing, a good instance is, let's say your defenseman has the ball behind the net, right? And he's maybe under a little bit of pressure, casual pressure, and you know he's just going to rim it around. He's just going to zing one long. Go to the boards early in anticipation of him doing that instead of waiting for him to rip one around and then making a dead sprint to it. It's like it's like in ice hockey, keeping your momentum going, even if it's just slight, instead of standing in one spot, waiting for what's going to happen and then reacting to what's happened. You're creating the space. You're creating the play based on your movement. You should always be moving. And yeah. we talked about it with a summer tournament in the, in, at the very, very highest level with some of the videos that I, I can't stop watching those videos because I'm trying to bring my game to another level and I have things that I need to work on. And at this level, there's even more things that people can work on and the game happens slower. So that should be a transition that you guys can make 
relatively easily. So what it is, is you need to think, okay, if there's a 50, 50 battle and two guys are going into the corner, if my guy wins, here's where I'm going. If their guy wins, here's where I'm going. Maybe I need to shy towards the defensive end because it's in our defensive zone. Maybe I need to make a, a hot break up the boards, assuming that my guy's going to be first. And most of the time when he goes into the corner, he does blank. He rims it around. So I'm going to bust butt to the boards. And if he doesn't end up rimming it around, then I adjust accordingly. But you need to make a decision prior. Well, I, I think we've talked about this. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but you and I have talked about it a lot. It's like making mistakes is okay. This is a game of mistakes. Everybody does it, but it's make them quickly. Yep. And make, even if you make the wrong decision, do it fast. Because even if when you're going fast, right or wrong, you are still influencing, controlling the play. Yeah. And that other team can't do anything about it until you do something. You want to make them react to you instead yeah, of vice versa. Exactly. And I, as part of that, and like just overall game plan and talking about the momentum or seeing what's happening and making a decision, do I cheat to the defensive zone or what? what's the outcome? There's only two possible outcomes in your board battle. Either you're going to get it or your guy, the other guy's going to get it, right? So what's going to happen? They're going to go left or they're going to go right. So see the play that's happening. And know what you're going to do before it even happens. Well, and it might even be as simple as giving someone the option. So a guy goes into the corner, assume that he's going to win it, or maybe it's somewhat obvious. And you can say, you know, same way, boards, rim it, rim it, rim it, switch, 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 whatever it is. Communicate to your guy, make the play happen instead of sitting on your heels and going, well, I wonder what he's going to do. I better hang out until I find out, you know? <laughs> well, it's like in ice, though, when guys are tied up on the boards. They're at the end boards, you know, they're battling. Like, yeah, yeah, they're kind of grinding it out. But And then you see your wingers come across, or they're going behind the net, or they're hitting the corners. They're coming in soft, but they're all going to allow their guy an option to kick the puck out to them and get out of that situation. Right, well, and then I, I think maybe this this is a good, because I, I kind of find myself talking about them rimming it around, rimming it around, sort of that dump and chase scenario where you're like, oh, are we going to change? What are we going to do? And it, it does remind me of when Corey was talking about the difference on fives and the difference of threes. Corey Hirsch from yes, Pittsburgh? Yes, Corey Hirsch from okay. Pittsburgh. Sorry for the clarification there. But so the difference between fives and threes, I think the main thing is the breakout and the transition to offense. And I think yeah. there's maybe something that you can take away from the fives where they're given more space but they need to own their space better. Whereas in threes, you find yourself caught out of position a lot more. So maybe you're comfortable being out of position, you know, versus fives where there are so many people that have specific roles that it's more important for you to always be in that perfect position. So there's something that you can take away from that. So let's say there is that dump and chase and you're going to rim it, you know, in fives, and maybe I know more about ice than I do about five on five ball, but I have watched a lot of live video and they do a typical regroup and a typical breakout, just like you see. And there's something that you can take away from that in three on three. So if you get that rim around, you're catching it over by your bench. You're basically where the hash mark would be in five on five. And then you've either got a guy swinging like a center typically would on a breakout, or you've got your guy coming from the back, which I think in that case would be the offside winger. So now you've got your two options as long as everybody's on the same page. And at the worst cases, you want to keep your momentum going and that creates options. And the worst case scenario is you're just running their team 
the other team down and it's making the them cycle at that point. Absolutely. And, and we see a lot of cycling. I was thinking about it with Jar- uh, Charlie Gerace when we were playing against him the other night. He likes the cycle. Yeah. He, he's a he's a guy that likes to wall you off. Stegman is another good example of that. He's a really good guy on the boards. Yeah. There are guys that like there. to carry it up the boards and then dump it back for a cycle, whether it's even offensive or defensive. Like They'll generate a breakout based on sort of a back pass cycle and then a hard cut up the gut, which is exactly what you see in fives. Is that cross cut yeah. right across what for the blue? It would be the, the blue, blue line. line. Yeah. Or for our sake, it would be the center line mm-hmm. coming across the dot. And that can really quickly transition into a really hard attack if everybody has the momentum. Well, and I, I think one thing to talk about there, and, and not to get off topic or derail, but mm-hmm. I, I think the point that needs to be made is that it's okay to go backwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Find I, the I, possession. Yeah. I think a lot of teams that they're so forward focused, like I have to go at the it's, net. Yeah, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even call it forward focus. It's just... They know that the goal is on over the, there. I have to go that way. I have to go that way. And that you do have your guy trailing behind your proverbial defender and three on three or deck that, well, if I go back that way, that's, that's bad. That's actually a good thing. You know what I mean? In and the I, right, in the right. So, uh, yeah. And so I think the Use best them is what I'm saying. Like they're a part yeah. of your offensive threat and your offensive, you know, force use them. The best way I think to describe that is you don't need to take. The best pass, make that hard pass, the one that's risky, make the easy one that's a a guarantee. Yeah. And keep that possession until you open up a guarantee. And that's where it becomes a patience game. And I think we talk about that on power play a lot. You don't necessarily have to take 100 shots to score. Yeah. You just need the right one. Yeah. And that's all based on anticipation. Yeah. And if you have those safe passes, the right passes, the correct passes, you know, just back and forth, back and forth, you offensively you guys know what you're doing that defense is still having to move back and forth and stop and cut and go and go and go they're gonna get tired out so that's how you save your energy that's what i was just gonna say yeah you play that patience game and you wait for it to open up and that's when you shoot and score like if you just drive and you don't if you're driving towards the net you get caught in the boards and your only direction is forward there is no more boards you're out of space right so that's when you can like charlie drace and go back you're basically it, looking at a turnover at that point. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. you need that guy to backfill for you. Yeah, but if your defender then, you know, cycles back, then your your uh, your weak side winger then, you know, kind of goes higher. And then you, with that ball, after you give it up, then you cut back and take right, control. Right, right, and pass and move. And honestly, I think the best example of that from this season so far has been Fisher. In D2? Yeah, he yeah. makes that, whether whatever you would call it, D to D pass or whatever, and then he... Goes. Guns it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like... I'm going to go to the corner. I don't know if I'm right or I'm wrong, but I'm anticipating that you would like that option. Well, that's exactly what happened when we, it was either our third or fourth goal last night. He hit, he was along the board, right, right next to the left dot, throws it back to me and then runs right down that board. The second he gave it to me and I just ripped it on net. And then all of a sudden he's the only guy in the back. And he just has a tap in. Right. So he either he either is the first one to what's going to happen because he anticipates or he busts it, takes a guy with him because he's so hard to cover now because he's moving before the play happens. And that opens up space for someone else to get some Holds the defense out of position at that point because they have to react, but they're still a step behind. And then in turn, that opens up space where he was. But and it's so funny. Your other winger can then slide into that soft spot. But it's funny because... You don't expect that type of mentality coming from some of the lower leagues, like the four pluses and, mm-hmm. and you know, the leagues that we're not highlighting because 
they've got guys that play juniors or they're you know Nick's not playing for marquee names let's be honest exactly exactly but they're getting it between the ears and that's the biggest differentiator is how you're handling your space and how you're reacting based on the pace of the game and if you dictate the pace at the lower levels whether you're good or you're bad you want to be proactive versus reactive absolutely and to bring it up even to two plus we do this a lot too is we're going to look at who we're playing I mean, Irish Mafia played the Dailies the other day. Dailies had the legs. We're not going to outrun them. Right. So we had to create a game plan. It was like, slow it down, take the options, and then work that game. So that same mentality that we're talking about that uh, the Devils did in 4+, plus mm-hmm. is the exact same thing that's happened in D1, D2+, plus, and D2. It's looking at the your strengths versus their strengths, and then creating a scenario where you're putting yourself on top so i mean honestly just to see that and to hear about that at four plus is absolutely amazing the growth of the game and the growth of the league there phenomenal but so yeah it's great to see that mentality at the lower levels and i think that the understanding of the game is the quickest way for those low levels to progress but again proactive versus reactive it saves the legs and it makes some serious highlight reel goals which is another good reason to mention we want to do this game of the week. Feed us. If you think you've got a good game of the week, it doesn't mean it can't be 4+. plus Because I enjoy watching these games and we can literally write a segment based on what we see while watching you guys play. So keep that in mind. It's going to be a great season. But tonight, guys, Shaq, what did you learn? I learned it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, a lot of movement between the leagues, and I think everything's up for grabs, so it's going to be exciting to see how it plays out. Tonight, I'm going to say the biggest thing that I learned was the dailies can't hang in 2+. plus. <laughs> Holst, learn anything tonight? I learned that I am so happy just to be back in the deck hockey world. And we back, love having Back you, on buddy. the show and just... We love having I'm you. pumped. Yeah. And another thing I want to throw in, if your teams have Twitter pages... Even if it's as crazy as it sounds, Instagram pages, Facebook pages. Let us know what they are in the comments down below so we can follow you on all social medias and tweet at us. Tell us anything you guys want to tell us. It's a good way also to get, if you think you have a good game, let us know what they are on Twitter because we're we're going to be checking that stuff. Help us learn. Yes, we want want to be in as much contact with you guys so we know what you guys want to hear and what we, and honestly, it gives us content. Let's do this. I think that wraps it up for another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. We're really excited for the upcoming season. Everybody get out there and score some goals.